You're listening to The Myth Pilgrim, and I am Brother Lawrence of the Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure, just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey, learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our journey to God. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to today's episode of The Myth Pilgrim. And I do pray that you're keeping well wherever you are listening in from. As I record this episode in June 2021, my home state in Victoria is in another snap lockdown in order to try and break the back of some rogue COVID-19 cases creeping in. This is quite a bummer for us all, but it does give me extra incentive to record this episode about Aladdin's advice for those feeling trapped. Sometimes you feel so... You're just... Trapped. I have been looking forward to writing this episode for a long time. Aladdin is another childhood favourite of mine and belongs snugly in the family of the 90s Disney Renaissance classics such as The Lion King and Pocahontas, which we've done before on The Myth Pilgrim. When I saw the live-action remake of Aladdin recently, I realised something about the story I'd never picked up before as a kid. That the main theme of the story is about being set free. Think about it. All three of the main characters start off feeling trapped. Princess Jasmine is trapped as a prisoner inside her own palace walls, Aladdin is trapped as a common thief in the slums of Agrabah, and the genie is trapped inside a lamp which itself is trapped inside the Cave of Wonders. Yet by the end of the movie, they are all set free from their respective prisons. And as I was reflecting on what exactly sets them free, I had this cool aha moment when I realised that, between the three of them, they exercise the three theological virtues of faith, hope and love. For Jasmine, it was faith, for Genie, hope, and for Aladdin, it was love. Stirred your curiosity? Good. Let's begin first by quickly retelling the Aladdin story. Aladdin is set in the fictional city of Agrabah. Somewhere in the deserts surrounding the city, there is a magical lamp hidden inside a cave that promises great power to whoever obtains it. Jafar, the Sultan's evil advisor, desperately seeks after this lamp. However, a prophecy foretold that only one particular person could enter the cave and come out alive, the rumoured Diamond in the Rough. Jafar works out that this Diamond in the Rough is none other than Aladdin himself, an ordinary street thief living in the slums of Agrabah. Indeed, when the story starts, Aladdin is seen making a living stealing produce from the market. As fate would have it, that day he crosses paths with Princess Jasmine. Sick of being cooped up and having her future dictated for her, Jasmine had snuck out of the palace in disguise and was now wandering the streets. She bumps into Aladdin when she herself gets into trouble with the street vendor. Aladdin helps her escape to his makeshift home, and they immediately form a bond. Then Jafar's soldiers show up and seize Aladdin. Jafar then forces Aladdin into the desert cave to retrieve the much-coveted lamp for him. However, things do not go as Jafar planned, and Aladdin is the one who ends up with the lamp instead. Inside the lamp is of course the genie, who promises to grant his owner any three wishes his heart desires. So grateful was Aladdin for genie that he promises to use his third and final wish to set the genie free from the lamp forever, something no other master had offered to do before. His first wish, however, was to be transformed into a prince 
because Aladdin figured that only by being transformed into the handsome Prince Ali could he win the hand of Princess Jasmine. But this backfires when Jasmine doesn't seem interested in marrying a pompous Prince Ali at all. He perseveres and tries another tactic by humbly coming to her balcony one night on the magic carpet. Though he is awkward and clumsy, he manages to woo her enough to join him for a ride and they dash off into the starry night, into the song A Whole New World. Just as they were beginning to fall for one another, Jafar's troops arrest Aladdin again and this time throw him off a cliff into the sea. The semi-conscious drowning Aladdin then makes his second wish to be saved from drowning and the genie rescues him in the nick of time. Aladdin then returns to the palace and reports to the Sultan about Jafar's evil schemes. But Jafar slips away and putting two and two together realises that Prince Ali is actually Aladdin <gasps> and so he sends his parrot Iago to steal the lamp off Aladdin, which he does. Now in possession of the lamp, Jafar has full control over the genie as his new master. He uses his first two wishes to become all-powerful beyond all measure. First to become Sultan, then to be a sorcerer, and he wreaks havoc upon all standing in his way. Just when he is about to smite Aladdin, Aladdin challenges Jafar's pride, suggesting that the genie would always be more powerful than he ever could be. This provokes Jafar into using his final wish to become a genie himself, the most powerful genie in the universe. His wish is granted, but Jafar forgets that part of the deal with becoming a genie is that he is also imprisoned inside a lamp. And so he gets sucked into his own little lamp and is from that point quite harmless. The good genie then throws Japan's lamp, Japan, <laughs> a Jafar's lamp far, far away into the desert, hopefully never to be seen ever again. With danger now averted, Aladdin uses his third and final wish to set the genie free, even though he could have used it to transform himself back into a real prince. But the genie is finally set free now and there is much rejoicing. But Aladdin's selfless gesture wins the heart of the Sultan, who agrees to offer Jasmine's hand to Aladdin in marriage anyway. And so they live happily ever after, amen. So there's the story of Aladdin in a nutshell. Before we look further into each of the characters' journeys of being set free, it is most appropriate to give a crash course into why the three theological virtues of faith, hope and love are even called theological virtues with Theo, of course, meaning of God. We first hear about these virtues in 1 Corinthians 13, and since then, many, many great theologians and saints have commented on why they are so special. But how are these three different from, say, the natural cardinal virtues of prudence and temperance, justice and fortitude? Well, firstly, unlike the cardinal virtues, which can be developed by our own efforts and good habits, the theological virtues are supernatural given to us by God. We cannot earn them by our own strength, for they are received, not obtained. This is very important to remember. Secondly, the theological virtues all actually have God as their ultimate end. Unlike, say, a natural virtue like temperance, which seeks to build moderation in our desires, or fortitude, which seeks to build courage in the face of adversities, the theological virtues are all oriented towards deeper union with God. Bishop Robert Barron even says that the theological virtues form the foundation by which the entire spiritual life is structured. They are given by God, through God, so that we may grow in deeper union with God. 
you can probably begin to see why Aladdin has such timeless appeal, cross-culturally to both kids and adults alike. For not only does it provide hope for those of us who are feeling trapped, and that's a lot of us in a lot of circumstances, but the film also provides as a remedy virtues that come from beyond this world, virtues which a secular culture by definition could never fully possess. Okay, so let's now look at each theological virtue one by one with the help of our characters. First, we'll explore how Princess Jasmine exhibits the virtue of faith. You'll recall she starts the movie feeling literally trapped within her own palace walls, where her only friend is a pet tiger named Raja. But internally, she's feeling trapped too, because she was now of age to be married off to one of the many suitors parading into Agrabah. She is fed up by all these obligations and wants out. There's even a beautiful shot where Jasmine is so frustrated she releases all the caged birds in the garden just to watch them fly free into the sky. Okay, so when does she begin to exhibit the virtue of faith? Definitely in the iconic magic carpet ride scene. See, the root word for faith in Latin is fides or fiducia, which actually means to trust. This link between faith and trust is often something we forget today. In the scene, however, Jasmine begins to place her trust in something, or more importantly, in someone who comes from beyond her current circumstances. Having dismissed the bumbling Prince Ali a little bit earlier, aka Aladdin in disguise, he now reappears on her balcony in her own context, asking if she'd like to go out of the palace and see the world. Hesitant and nervous, she refuses at first until the prince extends his hand and asks her, Do you trust me? When Jasmine says yes, she is putting more faith in the prince than the flimsy magic carpet under him. She almost literally takes a leap of faith onto the carpet and into a whole new world. I often compare Jasmine's yes to Aladdin to Mary's yes to the angel Gabriel. Both women were in unusual betrothal contexts. Both were extended invitations by unexpected visitors from the sky. Both said yes, and both had their horizons expanded beyond expectation. But let me here propose something we often forget about Catholic spirituality. Sometimes, when we're trapped in a situation with no way out, it may be God's will at that time that we travel on the interior journey. This journey is just as freeing and adventurous as the one out there, for it involves exploring a whole new world within, filled with its own surprises and treasures and demons. The problem is, we are so obsessed in our culture with externally moving and progressing and getting stuff that we seriously neglect the world within. This is of great detriment to our own dignity, for we live only half alive. Yet some of humanity's greatest writings were born from those who have been forced into the interior journey. Think of the poems of St. John of the Cross, Dante's Divine Comedy, and Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. So, if you are finding yourself genuinely in a situation you cannot remove yourself from, example, COVID lockdown, it may well be an invitation from God to journey within. Now, I'm not saying that this is definitely the case, but what is important is to trust that God always opens a path we never saw, a plan C, where we only ever saw a plan A or a plan B. Let God's promise in Isaiah 55 be spoken to you, where he says, Behold, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Can you not see it? 
I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We will now fix our attention onto the genie and how he exercises the second of our theological virtues of hope. You may recall that genie starts off the story just assuming Aladdin would be just like all his other previous masters, selfish, money-hungry and power-mongering. In 10,000 years, not one master had ever thought of wishing him free from the lamp. But as he begins the journey with Aladdin and sees the goodness inside this common thief, he begins to have hope that Aladdin might just keep his word after all. Even when his own faith in Aladdin is tested, he continues to root for him, like the time when Aladdin lies and botches up everything with the princess, and hints to the genie that he probably couldn't set him free after all. Even still, genie continues to stay loyal to him, and even went against his own genie laws per se, fighting for Aladdin even when he was legally under the command of Jafar. But Genie's hope wins out in the end, and the least likely master, in the least likely of circumstances, sets him free. You know, the theological virtue of hope is more than just optimism or positive thinking. Indeed, it is a virtue that comes to us from beyond this world, coming from God himself, as mentioned earlier. See, Christians understand that hope is not born from an idea or philosophy, but from a real historical event, in which the most hopeless and impossible of circumstances was transformed into the most hopeful and wonderful circumstances. I refer, of course, to the death and resurrection of Jesus, an event which demonstrated once and for all that nothing is impossible for God. Hope enables us to see that our story is part of God's bigger story, and that everything even our most hopeless circumstances, has a privileged place within God's story. It was hope that enabled the genie to look beyond his personal strife and to recognise the bigger story unfolding before his eyes, one that included not only his own freedom, but Aladdin and Jasmine's too. See, the virtue of hope allows us to gaze upon the bigger story, God's story, and to live from that instead. And, as so many of the martyrs and saints have attested down the ages, even death cannot deprive a Christian of hope, because hope extends beyond this lifetime and into eternity. Do not ever fall into the lie of discouragement, for this is the weapon of the enemy. Mm. For a further, deeper exploration of this virtue of hope, I recommend listening to episode 3 of The Myth Pilgrim on Hobbits and Christian Hope. In that episode, I share one of my favourite images for hope, about a star that suddenly appears above the dark, swirling clouds of Mordor. If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, do consider sharing it with your friends so that we can together encounter God veiled in our favourite tales. I'm always open to your feedback and ideas too, so always feel free to contact me on The Myth Pilgrim Facebook page, or through the website at themythpilgrim.com. The final character we'll focus on is, of course, Aladdin himself. The young man who begins his life stuck as a common street thief ends up being free as the Prince of Agrabah and the husband of Princess Jasmine, all because of the theological virtue of love. Now, because this is Disney we're talking about, it's easy to simply assume that love means romantic love, for there is certainly plenty of that in the story. However, romantic love, or eros in Greek, is just one of the four types of love identified by the ancient Greeks. 
with the other three being storge, or affectionate love, philia, or friendship love, and agape, also known as charity love. It's the final love, the agape love, that is most accurately the theological virtue that we're talking about, because it is necessarily a divine type of love. While I use the ordinary word charity to denote it, a more accurate way to describe agape love is unconditional love or even sacrificial love. It is the type of love that is not satisfied with merely giving smiles and time and gifts to the beloved, but rather inspires one to give one's whole self to them. It is the type of love that drove Jesus to the cross to give absolutely everything for us. As such, this love is humanly impossible. To put it in perspective, while a parent may be willing to sacrifice their own life for their child, I very much doubt they'd be willing to sacrifice their life for an enemy who hates them. Yet, this is precisely the nature of Jesus' love who died for us while we were still sinners. As such, a key characteristic of agape love is vulnerability, the openness to being rejected and hurt by the one we seek to love. And there's nothing more vulnerable than a battered and naked Jesus, strung wide open on the cross for all the world to jeer at him. And yet, there is also nothing more beautiful when we realize that he is doing that for you and I right now, in the middle of our mess. Now, being realistic, Aladdin didn't display this level of agape love in all its fullness, but he did display a love that was higher and greater than merely romantic love. This is most evident in the final scenes of the movie. Transcending his earlier self-serving street thief impulses, Aladdin willingly puts his life on the line when he flies back to Agrabah from exile. Unaided and without genie's powers, he stands up to Jafar alone in order to defend the kingdom. Then, after Jafar's defeat, Aladdin's greatest act of love emerges. Though he had every right to use his third and final wish to transform himself back into a prince, heck, even the genie encouraged him to do so, he chooses instead to love the genie and to wish for his freedom. In doing so, Aladdin was willing to sacrifice something of his own life for the sake of another, a trait very much in resonance with agape love. And as things panned out, his action wins the heart of both the Sultan and Princess Jasmine, so agape love wins out in the end. In our ordinary human circumstances, agape love can set us free in a number of ways. As one example, if we're stuck in a pit of unforgiveness or hatred towards another person, agape provides us with the means to reach out in vulnerability and to open the door again to the other person. It's also possible for us to be locked up in our own prison of self-loathing and self-doubt and hatred and all that, but when agape love breaks into all of that, we are suddenly free to see ourselves as we truly are, as the apple of God's eye. And finally, but certainly not exhaustively, agape love sets us free because it reminds us that life isn't actually about us. Over and above our immediate concerns about how we measure up to others, how, how we look, what we own, what company we keep, agape pushes us beyond our ego selves and propels us towards others. It reminds us that the most valuable things in life are measured by love, and that, at the evening of our lives, the only thing we can take with us into eternity is love. Okay, so I hope you found this episode magical and meaningful. 
I've really enjoyed the fun and whimsical mood of this episode without shying away from exploring some beautiful theology. As we approach the end of our episode, I want to remind you that the theological virtues of faith, hope and love are supernatural in origin and comes to us as gift. Nevertheless, we can certainly ask for them in prayer, and depending on where you may be feeling trapped today, you may ask for a specific corresponding virtue to set you free. So that's certainly something you can do as a practical pilgrim exercise for the next couple of weeks. Another thing I could suggest is to re-watch the magic carpet flying scene where they sing A Whole New World. Uh, I will leave a link to this in the show notes and on the website. But this time as you watch it, put yourself in Princess Jasmine's shoes and imagine Aladdin as Jesus. Realise that all the wonder and beauty and nostalgia and, and magic and freedom you feel during the song is actually possible. And in fact, not just possible, but promised. If only we had the faith to say to Jesus, yes, Jesus, I trust in you. Okay, we'll leave it there. Until next time, dear pilgrims, fly forth. (laughs) Take care and God bless.